welcome to the Rural Revival Podcast. I'm your host, Dana Larson. This week, we're in Enid, Oklahoma with Kent and Becky Evett of Redbird Farm. Redbird Farm is a working Christmas tree and blackberry farm that also hosts seasonal events and workshops, a petting zoo, and offers fresh produce and apparel. We have a great conversation about the land and returning to our roots, as well as the importance of agritourism and a strong work ethic. So here we go with Kent and Becky. All right. Well, we're here today in Enid, Oklahoma with Kent and Becky Evett of Redbird Farm. Guys, thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you for having us. Well, tell us a little bit about you. Are you guys originally from Oklahoma? I'm originally from Oklahoma. I grew up uh, west of Ralston in Osage County and uh, moved away, had a series of jobs in different places of the country and met Becky in Louisiana. I'm from Paris, Texas, so I was happy to get back to something more familiar. So what brought you to Redbird Farm? Yeah, I mean, we both grew up in rural-type areas. I grew up on a farm, and uh, I knew I wanted to grow something again. I grew up on a traditional, conventional farm growing wheat and corn and soybeans and raising cattle and things like that. But, uh, you know, in today's environment, the way that farming efficiency has increased so much, you can't really compete in that market unless you have a lot of land. And that's what I didn't have. So if you're going to get a little plot of land, you've got to find a niche. And uh, so Becky and I started thinking about what could we grow? You know, how can we raise our kids on a farm without having a lot of land to access? So kind of settled on Christmas trees to start out with, and uh, it's grown from there. Yeah, we found this, which is 14 acres, um, when I was on a jog, and it had trees and a big clearing, and we never um, thought we'd have a home out here and whatnot, but like you said, we wanted to grow some kind of crop and give our kids a sense of work ethic, um, having jobs on the farm. So once you got the land, where did you start? Well, when we bought it, it it's it's been neglected, so it was a mess. Um, the first thing we did was mow just to know what we even bought but uh we started out with a very tiny patch of christmas trees and it was only 30 to 35 trees just to see can we do this can we even grow these here you know i grew up growing wheat and corn but trees was not one of those crops that we did so um planted the small patch and and they took off and we're it kind of gave us the confidence to say hey we could we can do this. We can grow trees in Enid. So there were no buildings on the land, right? None. No. So um, once we lived in town and we were just traveling out here, just burning up the highway. And so we started dabbling with the idea of building out here. And before you know it, we were collecting items from, um, you know, auctions and Craigslist and finding all these old antiques and uh, we built a house around those antiques and it's been nice to be out here and just walk out and work on the trees and yeah it's been a good move. It's beautiful. Thank you. You did a great job. (laughs) (laughs) So you eventually then built a barn too right? We did. We got finished with that last year 
And uh, it's been a big step in the business. We felt like we needed a central place for people to come in and actually purchase the trees or things from the shop. It gave Becky a place to have her store. And uh, because we have the barn, she's expanded into workshops of different kinds. And that's been a great thing, too. Oh, yeah. We're just kind of um, swimming in the dark a little bit, um, figuring out um, how we can make this land and business pay for itself and um, we knew we needed a place to store some of Kent's tools and farm items and um, it just made sense to build a barn and it's been a great thing. Yeah. How did you come up with the name? Well we wanted something that had a nod to Christmas but that would give us the room to uh, just not box us in too much. So we wanted to obviously be open in the summertime and if we had Oh, Redbird Farm, Christmas Tree Farm, or, you know, Noel Christmas Farm. We just, uh, we wanted that flexibility. And so we see Redbirds or Cardinals out our window quite a bit. And uh, we're like, that's it. We'll just call it Redbird Farm. I love it. (laughs) It's perfect. And your barn is like a beautiful red color. So it really fits. Yeah. We wanted to kind of capture that quintessential farm that you see in children's storybooks um that kind of just steals people's hearts a little bit and just resonates with yesteryear and brings people um they just come out in a really good mood every time they're out here and it people just seem to really enjoy it yeah I think you've done a great job of it thanks so tell us now what it is that you offer at the farm so you know, we started out, this is a Christmas tree farm, but uh, we've also expanded into blackberries, so we should have our first crop of blackberries in the spring. And uh, Becky has expanded into the workshops, so she does flower arranging workshops. Um, you might talk a little more about all the <laughs> workshops you do. Well, we have big plans. You know, we always have the end game in mind, but... Uh, It's getting there and just waiting in the waters. We just opened our doors to the public um, six months ago or seven months ago in July. So we're still figuring a lot of things out. But um, so far, our workshops have included um, floral arranging. And we want to really try and go towards um, some self-sufficiency type of workshops. So bringing people back to the lost art of canning or, you know, come out. We have a garden every year. And come out to my garden, pick fresh tomatoes, pick fresh peppers. Um, let's make our own salsa nine. You know, I call it the BYOB, bring your own blender. Nice. <laughs> and we'll make our own salsa. And um, we have a sourdough workshop coming up. Um, we just have a lot of plans. Backyard Chickens 101. Some of this hasn't happened yet, <laughs> but that's where we're wanting to go, is just get people interested again in getting outdoors and that you can do this. You know, you have the power to feed yourself and. Absolutely. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And one of our focuses is, you know, we want to celebrate each season as it comes and the things that are in that season. So, um, you know, Becky had the idea of a harvest market, you know, so we had vendors out here, and we sold pumpkins and hay and squash and, you know, those fall things that you really, you know, just associate with that time of year. And it, it's, been, it's been really good. You know, we tend to get ahead of ourselves with Christmas celebrating in October, you know, and that kind of thing. But we want to celebrate the seasons as they come and what is a part of that time of year. Yeah. 
So to just go off what Kent was saying is just you have in mind that quintessential Christmas or that quintessential autumn season. And what is happening today, it seems like, is everything just feels plastic. It just feels artificial. And we wanted to have like that authentic, oh, these are the crops that are fresh during this season. And you can come and you can smell that fresh hay or you can, you know, see those heirloom pumpkins and just really slow down and celebrate the seasons and get people outside and people have really responded so far so we're we're happy someone um anyone wants to be part of our wild and crazy idea that just kind of um pushes back against what the world's telling you to do this the marketing commercialization (laughs) yeah yeah we're marketed to death i mean there's a lot of people out there who have a full-time job teams of people to get you to spend money on things. You know, if you go to the store um, right now, you can buy your swimming suit and it's the winter. You know, (laughs) we're always getting ahead of ourselves and and Christmas comes out in the middle of summer, it seems like now. And it's just, um, seems like we're in a hurry. So we'd like to offer a place that you can just step away from some of that and uh, get back to where this stuff comes from and you know, just enjoy for a minute uh, an atmosphere without all the marketing. And soak up the season, yeah. Yeah. So how has the public responded? So far, it's been great. I mean, people have come out. You wonder, you know, you're out here toiling away, and you wonder if anybody cares. Yeah. And, uh, and then we open up our doors for the first time on the 4th of July on our 10th anniversary. And... Um, it was kind of a celebration of summer. What we did was uh, went to Porter, Oklahoma and got fresh peaches from the orchard. And for those that aren't familiar, Porter, Oklahoma is the peach capital of our state. So they grow amazing peaches and we got them as fresh as possible. And people came out for it and, and it just kind of floored us. We, you just never know, you know, if your crazy ideas are going to be accepted or people are indifferent but it it was a success and ever since it feels like we've just been running at full steam yeah we're sprinting (laughs) (laughs) yeah I heard you sold out of peaches in two hours yes so that's amazing yeah 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 it feels like this first year has been full of mistakes and learnings and you know we don't get enough stuff or we get too much yes Um, so we fall on our face a lot but Hopefully we'll kind of dial this thing in and learn what works and what doesn't. And it's a little painful, but it's fun. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of mistakes, but that's part of it, you know. And I think that's part of um, just, you know, summing up the farm life is you get back up, you dust off, and you have that resiliency and you try again. So that's what we're trying to do. (laughs) You also have an apparel line too, right? So I have a vision of things, but I don't know how to execute it. So I have been able and been very fortunate to find some graphic artists that let me be extremely bossy and (laughs) say, I need this, 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 and they tweak it and they just do an awesome job, just how I have it in my mind. And um, they uh, have created a a shirt that has our hometown, Enid, Oklahoma on it and just kind of captures the essence of Oklahoma, you know, and uh then uh, we worked forever on our logo trying to find that right 
feel, I mean, something so simple took us, I mean, I think six months, it was just brutal. So, uh, that's an aspect that we never anticipated diving into, but it's, I enjoy it so much just, uh, finding that perfect look. So we can obsess with details at times, but that's a good thing. Yeah. Yes. Yes. We really want to try and have that feel of yesteryear, you know, how Mm -hmm. things used to look and be, and, um, it's just a fight. Yeah. Yeah. So our barn is wood and it's a real traditional red gambrel barn. And to get that, just a traditional gambrel barn that's made out of wood was a, just a fight. Wow. It, It was so, but you know, it was worth it. We liked the feel you walk in and you see all the the wood interior and there's no insulation and it's really primitive but that's what you know we were going for yeah (laughs) yeah it's hard to uh go against the grain you know they used to build those everywhere all the time that's all they had and to get something like that today when metal structures are easy and cheap and it's the biggest bang for the buck good luck (laughs) yeah well kent you know uh he has a saying uh you just have to be okay with kind of being weird, I guess, a little bit going against the grain. It's been kind of hard for me to um, fight that. Like, are you sure you wanted to do that? And I just question, like, yeah, I think so. But Kent, you know, has stuck to his guns and like, this is where we're going, and I don't care. You know, like, yeah. I don't want we'll to make building. a way. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, and it, you just got to know going in, you're gonna be they're going to try to talk you out of it, you know, and that's, that's okay. I mean, we're not trying to do what everybody's doing. Yeah. So uh, you just expect it. Yeah. But in the end, it sets you apart. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Going back to the Christmas trees, did you know anything about Christmas trees or even growing blackberries? Like, was there a big learning curve for you? We knew they were pretty. That's right. about all we yeah. knew. <laughs> that was it. Yeah, I knew nothing about it. And growing a Christmas tree in Oklahoma is not something that's easy. They, the trees that we grow here, they don't want to be Christmas trees. You've got to force them into it. So, you know, your Christmas tree states are Michigan and Oregon, North Carolina, places like that. And they, they kind of tend to be naturally beautiful. But down here we grow pine and we fight them. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there's a lot of learning to do. And we joined the Oklahoma Christmas Tree Association and started learning, you know, where do you get the seedlings? How do you do this? And, and just started from there. Yeah, they really took us under their wing at the um, Oklahoma Christmas Tree Association. Uh, this is a lot of people's retirement plan. So a lot of the people are quite a bit um, older, more knowledgeable, wiser than us. And they um, were so gracious and have just shared all their information and really have been vital to our success so far yeah so the initial 35 trees must have gone okay yeah um you know they're out there we lost at least half of them probably wow so it's a learning curve the next year we went in with about 700 so um each year we've gone in with since then about a thousand a year we're up to about three thousand so you do lose some when you when you plant, but it's just part of the part of the learning. And what Kent hasn't mentioned yet is, we jump in and we were 
then come to the fact of, oh, we need irrigation. You know, so part of that um, loss is we didn't have our irrigation in place yet, and uh, we didn't have it fenced off, so the deer just love to nibble the top of those trees off, and we have um, the gophers that like to eat the root system. So that's, we really overplant quite a bit to compensate for those things. So you're now open as a Christmas tree farm. Are your trees ready, or do you have kind of a different plan until they grow enough to be ready to harvest? So this next Christmas, we will have trees available that you can cut down yourself, and we give you a handsaw. You go out, choose which one you want, and cut it down. That's awesome. Yeah. This last Christmas, we we were open for business, but we brought in pre-cuts from uh, Oregon and Michigan and North Carolina. Great. Yeah, which we'll always do that due to the variety that sure. you can get from those states. We can't grow those here. And for those customers who want those varieties, we want to have those for them. But if you want to cut your own tree down, we want to have that available too. So tell us about the blackberry side of the farm because that's coming up for the first time this year, right? Right. Yeah, we planted... Um, we planted our blackberries on a trellis system that makes it a little easier to grow in this climate because the problem in Oklahoma is the wild weather, the late freezes. So your your plants think it's springtime, they bloom, then you get a freeze and it wipes them out. So what, we, uh, what we're going to do is we'll be able to cover that with a big blanket, a frost cover, and we'll cover and uncover that thing as long as the weather is flipping back and forth. Okay. So, um, anyways, that's that's the idea, and uh, and then we'll invite people out to come out and pick pick their own blackberries. So we hope it's a really family friendly, fun thing. It's something that we travel to other places to do with our family, and it's really fun because even the littlest kids can can get in on that. And they're going to pick the ones that are really low that you don't want to have to bend over yeah. to get. And that is something that um, other Christmas tree growers in the um, association do to supplement um, an off-season income. And so they encouraged us in that too. And they've been just instrumental in just showing us the way of making this a successful venture, we hope. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. You, We, we brought our just turned three-year-old boy out to pick and you know you think he's going to pick the ones that aren't ripe or not do a very good job but if you let them taste it along the way it's like instinct (laughs) and they know which ones to get and they're they're great little workers it's fun it's a lot of fun well and I love that you've created an environment that's very family friendly so you just got to get those sandburrs and it'll be great that's right (laughs) yes talk about work ethic and the role that plays in all of this? I think that's that's the biggest thing for us, and it's uh, something we've got to get our kids on board with. So I think both of our, I can speak for both of us, our goal is when those kids leave this house, they're going to know what good work ethic is, and they're going to know how to work. And that's, that's key. So uh, when you have four little ones, uh, you don't want to you don't want to work all the time and neglect all the things that you need to do with the little ones mm-hmm. so the way that we've worked around that is headlamps when they go to bed and they have an early bedtime because they're little um, 
we go out and, and get our stuff done in the dark. Wow. It's been fun. That's dedication. <laughs> <laughs> but Kent has a desk job all day. Um, he's an engineer. And so when he gets home, he's ready to get out and do something. And uh, so that's a good outlet for him. And I love the outdoors. So it's been good to just have that outlet to do something. Yeah. How is your family involved on the farm? We always try to come up with little jobs for them, even for the littlest. So uh, maybe not be, maybe it's not all that helpful, but uh, they still have something to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like right now, our daughters are in charge of the chickens. They make sure that they're fed, they gather the eggs. Um, so just little things like that. Yeah. And they're always outside with us. That's so fun. So Kent, I'm curious, how do you manage it all? Because with your full-time job and this, that's a lot. It is a lot. It's a lot for both of us. Um, we're busy. We're extremely busy. And uh, I don't know, I would say it's not always managed, you know. Yeah. There's some, some things that, that we fall down on, but uh, you try to make a list and pick off the most important things. If I, you know, if I had all the time in the world... This could go a lot faster. Right. <laughs> We've had to loosen our expectations and, you know, realize things aren't going to be perfect and that's okay. And then also realize this is a season where it's really hard um, with us having a baby and um, everyone being so little. And, um, but just to like keep that end goal in mind and like this is where we want to go. And so it'll work out eventually. Yes. <laughs> yes. Talk about some of the key things. I mean, we've been talking about this as a learning process, but what are some of the key things that you have taken away from this that you've learned along the way? I'd say for me, um, I tend to want to jump into things before quite ready for it. So that's been something that Becky has graciously uh, lived with. For example, you know, I thought, you know, we need a petting zoo. And that's been a great thing for the business, um, just to make your experience a little better here. But uh, we bought the sheep and the donkey really before the fencing was done. <laughs> and so when the sheep are on the back porch looking through the windows, you know, making a mess on the porch and all that, luckily Becky didn't completely kill me, although they did... <laughs> wreck her uh, landscaping and flowers they do love to eat flowers and and the garden and my vegetable garden yeah oh. <laughs> I got in a little trouble for all that but that's something that I need to really work on is before you jump in understand what you're getting into so <laughs> <laughs> that's been a little bit of stress that that's not necessary that you know I've fallen down on some of that but but the fencing's done now. They're in their designated space, and um, hopefully we'll have prettier landscaping and a better garden this year. Yeah, I think it's more of just um, learning just as time goes on. You know, like I said, we've only been open about six months, and just seeing what the public responds to. Um, you know, like Kent said, this is all kind of a shot in the dark. Are people going to respond? want to come out and respond to this so um from the things that we carry in the shop to uh just seeing what wows people and uh just learning as we go so tell us a little bit about the shop what kinds of things do you carry there 
Well, it's ever-changing, so we always change with the seasons, but, um, you know, we have custom shirts that we have done that um, either have, like, our farm name on it, or I had some made um, that have our hometown, uh, Enid, Oklahoma, on it, and uh, we always carry fresh produce. Um, Some of the stuff that we grow here in the vegetable garden, um, some of it we always try and bring in things that are made in Oklahoma, but, you know, handmade soaps, and um, I'm a big sucker for antiques, so... I can scour and find some great things to mix in old and new. And uh, I just try and create like a, just an ambiance, you know? Yeah. (laughs) And uh, fill it in with some candles, uh, just pretty things, lots of pretties. It's really amazing to me what she's able to accomplish out there. I mean, it looks totally different from season to season. And uh, I know she won't brag on herself, but she's got a good good eye for it. I mean, I walk in and, and I'm impressed and I'm not one to really notice decor and things like that, but, but it really does give you a feel, uh, that it's, it's cool. She's got a real talent. So are you open all the time? No. Okay. (laughs) So with the four kiddos, um, we're really at max capacity, just having workshops, um, probably at least once a month on some weekends. And then with the four seasons, we have uh, an event for each season. So we have our spring market coming up on April 4th. And that's going to be, I call it plants, produce, and blooms. So we're going to have herbs. We're going to have fresh spring veggies. And we're going to have fresh flowers. And then um, just anything that reminds you of spring, we're going to have baby chicks and baby ducks outside for the kids to plant a pet. And uh, just everything that celebrates that season spring smelling candles and just all the colors and yeah so fun so fun I want to come back for one of your events (laughs) what has been the most rewarding part of the business so far well for me just being goal driven it's like we set out with this goal it's like we're doing it and also I guess the silver lining to it all has been getting back to our own roots, too. Um, With these chickens and whatnot, (laughs) you know, we have fresh eggs every single morning for breakfast. And um, we have, uh, (laughs) we butchered our own chickens and we have a freezer full of fresh chickens. And so it's just this more rural, old-time, old-fashioned lifestyle. And so I never expected that. And it has been wonderful. So it has nothing to do with Christmas trees. That smells great. (laughs) I really enjoy the Christmas trees, but it's the other things that have really um, captured my heart. Funny how that works, huh? Mm -hmm. Yeah. How about you? I would say just, uh, you know, to always have some work to do. uh, You know, I, I really look forward to the time when the kids can really work side by side with me. They do have jobs. I you know, they do work some with me, but it's going to be great when this is a totally family operated thing. So all of us having our jobs, all of us working together for a common goal. And that's, that's really what, what I'm looking forward to. And just another random story. Um, The other day we had a brush fire that got out of hand on the day that there was no wind and it spread really quickly. And our kids, I mean, they they were getting buckets of water and running out there and dumping it and doing what they could to help us. And I was like, I mean, it was a tragic thing. Our 
our land was burning and some of the blackberries got hit, but they were out there working and no one had to tell them to do it. And it was great. It was sad, but great. (laughs) (laughs) What advice would you have for someone who has a dream like you guys have had? And it's more long-term vision, right? I mean, this is not just a quick thing that you're building. It's a very well thought out plan. What would you say to somebody who's still in that dream stage? Just start that first step. You know, do not think that you have to have the plan just perfect. You have to just start taking those baby steps. And ignorance is bliss. You know, if you knew how hard it was or all the things that would come your way, you probably wouldn't do it. But you just got to get started and ride that wave. Um, And it's a great growing experience. So just, just go for it. I would say turn the TV off. Get off of social media start reading, listen to podcasts like this one, and uh, really think about how you spend your time and what you know what you want to do. Um, I think I think time can get away from you when you're sitting around being entertained. So I would say you got to put the time in and really think about where you're going and you know I think some a really important thing is, you know, we speak every night. We talk every night after the kids go to bed and kind of regroup and refocus. It's easy to get off on uh, the, you know, the wrong path, and you kind of got to revisit where are you going with this. What what are we gonna? What are we trying to do here? And and that's been helpful, I think. We were forced into making a business plan, and that was helpful too. Um, we entered a contest, and they wanted a business plan. We didn't have one at all, so. Um, once we got that down on paper, it's just writing those things out, that, that vision and that end goal, that was a huge asset. It really was. Yeah, it was when, painful. <laughs> yeah, it was a competition. And when we wrote that business plan, we brought it in and it got judged. And I, I remember some of the feedback. Uh, one in particular, they said, it sounds like a nice hobby. And uh, That was ouch. That yeah, that ouch. was ouch. And... <laughs> We kind of, I mean, it, it kind of set us back a little bit, and, and we said, you know, what do we need to do that, to make this something more than just something we do for fun on the side? And so that really did help to go through that exercise and do that business plan. So I agree. That was a big. And you guys ended up winning that competition, right? We did. Yeah. Yeah, we won that, and uh, it was really kind of a, the jump start to the whole thing. I, I think before that, we were kind of growing trees in the in the yard, you know, <laughs> kind of a deal like that. And then after the, the competition, I think a big part of it was, you know, we, we got in the newspaper and all that, and here we are saying we're going to have a Christmas tree farm. And <laughs> before that, we were kind of just no pressure, uh-huh. If we have trees, that's great. But then after you say it, you kind of feel like you need to. You're accountable for it. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. The publicity is really what, like, oh, people know now, Kent, like, there is no backing out. We're in it. Yeah. <laughs> and it was $10,000, right? It was. Yeah. It was yeah. a huge blessing. Yeah. We were able to get um, something. Uh, it was a mower, actually, that would fit between our rows of trees. Uh, we were. We are always mowing out here, always. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> That'll be a good job for the kids. Right. right? Well. <laughs> yeah. 
so you have a big vision for this place. What's the next part of the vision that you're ready to tackle? It's hard to narrow it down. I mean, we have so many ideas and I give myself pep talks pretty often saying, okay, you've already got a lot. You need to slow down and not add more stuff before you've mastered the things you have. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. I, I'd really like to expand into some strawberries. I'd really like to do strawberries. I don't, and I know Becky has a, an affection for lavender. We do have some lavender, but I think going, going bigger with that would be great. Uh, I don't know. What do you think? Well, Kent is our dreamer, and I love him to death, but I always pull his balloon back down. I'm the string. <laughs> so, um, you know, we have these great um, dreams, but I think my next goal is to fix some current problems that we have. Like, we have a really bad sandbur problem. Um, like Kent said, our, our land was really neglected before we got a hold of it. So I really want to... Um, work on things like that and um, improving our soil um, and just kind of making what we already have even more beautiful, I guess. Um, I want to make sure that uh, that there's not um, a lot of chaos, I guess, when people come out. I really want to refine what we have so that uh, it's just nice and welcoming. Yeah. Talk a little bit about agritourism. Why is agritourism important? I think, uh, you know, as a society, we're losing it. We, um, we don't know where the food comes from. We don't know what farms are like. We don't know how things happen. You know, it's just served to us completely prepared and ready to go. Um, so, you know, it's, it's so ironic that we're here in Enid, Oklahoma, right smack dab in the middle of agriculture country. I mean, here we are. This is where your wheat comes from. This is where your food comes from. And uh, I would say the majority of our friends have no idea about the farming industry. It's so few people that are involved these days. You know, it's a, it's a big operation with less people. And, uh, you know, we want to offer something that lets people connect to that again. Yeah, people are really disconnected, like Kent was saying, and if we can bring people out to our farm just to learn a piece of, like, you know, agritourism is having the public come out and uh, have a learning or some kind of engaging experience on the farm. So I think it's just, it's wide open for us here in rural America for any kind of farm to really participate in that, and people have really responded to it. Um, I mean, people just don't know like when they eat that chicken nugget you know (laughs) that an animal's life had to be sacrificed for that or um you know a dairy just milking a cow and uh how do you make butter and so I mean it's wide open for where um all of us here and small communities could engage in that and it's an exciting time and we really have a key to help people um I don't know fill that little void in their soul really of uh, just your roots you know, I mean, apps and uh, TV is never going to do it. it. People are just going to be uh, just very disenchanted and disconnected from things, and they're going to be searching, and we have a key, and we can, we can do that in small-town America, I think. Kent and I, uh, we really uh, 
I flounder sometimes on not wanting to get people confused. Uh, we are a Christmas tree farm, but our bigger picture and where our heart is, is getting people engaged in realizing that there's a bigger picture at hand. Um, that, you know, the same little seed that grows this giant Christmas tree looks pretty similar to the seed that, you know, uh, grows a tomato or whatnot. And um, just get people... Uh, outdoors and just let them experience uh, authenticity authenticity and just that there's a bigger picture at hand how are you going to tell that story here at Redbird Farm we have some plans um, mainly involves through workshops um, that I have in the back of my mind but uh uh, we want to have some gardening classes, uh, Backyard Chickens 101, and even maybe teaching people how they could butcher their own chickens and just realizing that um, things have to be sacrificed for you to sustain life. And uh, we want to have, uh, we have a dairy here in town, and I would like for them to come out and bring their cow and like people just experience milking a cow. And um, a lot of people don't know that, you know, cream rises to the top. All they see is that homogenized milk in the store and that oh, you scoop that cream off and you make butter and just how, you know, grandma used to do things. And um, I think people will love it. They will respond to it, I hope. Um, I know I have. It, I, it's just been such a fun experience. I never in a million years um, thought that I would be uh, in this kind of lifestyle growing a huge garden and Christmas trees for sure, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it really has helped fill a void in my life and I think it can help other people too I think people have a hunger for it mm-hmm. and you know the the older generation who grew up with it they're um you know m- my parents were bur- born in the 40s and they grew up having to butcher chickens and and doing all these things and it was a chore to them and they there's no way that they're gonna go and do yeah. that kind of thing but you know we're losing the older older people in our society and people who grew up, you know, in my generation and younger don't know. Yeah. We've never we've never had it any other way than going to the grocery store and getting the food that we that we eat. So it's been it's been quite a thing, you know, butchering our own chickens and, and gathering our own eggs. And I just think people have a hunger for it and we wanna include them on it and encourage them to do it because you know, Enid's not a big place, but there's no way we can feed 50,000 people. And, uh, and you know, you don't need a farm to feed yourself. I mean, maybe you're not going to give yourself 100% of your food, but uh, you can grow some things. You can, you can do some backyard chickens. You can do a little garden. And it's such an important thing for kiddos to see you know, the miracle of a seed and to really connect with, wow, this is a very, very complex world that we live in. Yeah. And that everything's not instant gratification, you know? So that's a big thing too, that you have to be patient. And I have to tell myself that a lot too, but it's a good lesson. Living on any kind of farm is a good lesson, life lesson. Mm -hmm. Even with your canning classes, I mean, that's making a comeback because people want to return to the way that stuff was done before. Yeah. I mean, I think it's because people are realizing that I, I don't know how to do that. I have no knowledge. And um, like Kent said, that older generation is, you know, 
leaving us. And so we need to um, not lose that art. It really is an art, self-preservation. And so we hope that we can bring some of that um, into our workshops and have um, some really skilled instructors not only teach me, but teach anybody that wants to come. So yeah, part of these workshops, I'm being really selfish. It's things that I want to learn, and I'm just like, come on, <laughs> anybody that wants to come. <laughs> You're like, if I want to learn it, somebody else must want to, too. <laughs> I hope so. I hope. I know. <laughs> That's good. What have been some resources that have helped you as you've, you know, le- gone on this journey? Um, I have been reading so many books, and I've really enjoyed it, things that I never um, expected to help us here on the farm, some books. Uh Kent had, it all started with Kent bought me a book a couple of Christmases ago called The Business Boutique. And it was just trying to learn how to frame um, this business and where I wanted to go with it. And from there, I've read um, Building a Story Brand, which has been great too, and uh, Know What You Are For. Uh, There's just so many um, entrepreneurial, uh, business-minded books that would help um, these uh, small businesses and businesses. especially farms, like seeing where you could go with things. But uh, we really enjoy also um, pertaining to farming. Uh, Joel Salatin, all of his books have been great. And how to expand if you have a farm and bring in supplemental income. And um, I would just encourage people to read books that might be out of your current repertoire, you know, um, that really just would help you grow. Yeah. You never know when you'll get a crazy idea. That's right. (laughs) Or where the inspiration will come from, really. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah, for me, I love reading the books, uh, Joel Salatin books, or books about people who grew up on a farm and they're losing the farm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that really hits home with me about where farming is going and how industrialized it is and how the, uh, you know, this country used to be a country of farmers, and now it's the opposite. We have very few people who produce it all. And it's so mechanized and industrialized. And um, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but it's it's resulted in a disconnection. And you know, if you don't if you don't have that land, you really can't compete with that kind of efficiency. You know, and you can't if if you don't inherit land, you can't become a farmer in a traditional sense. You can't be a farmer for a living. So. I don't know. I just enjoy learning about how people make it work. You know, what are those niche things that you get into? What what can you do to kind of revitalize? How how do you include your family in on this? How how can I raise my kids on a farm like I was raised on a farm? So, I don't know. Things like that really appeal to me and I think like I said before, I think there's just a hunger for it and um I think people are seeking, you know, and they're going to they're going to go back to the basics. And maybe when they go back to those basics and realize how complex a tree is, you know, just to stop and think about that. Yeah. I don't know. I think we built, you know, the barn and we have this farmhouse and uh but that doesn't make us farmers. I mean, we built those things to entice people to want to come out and kind of uh hopefully plant that seed in their own heart that, hey, 
this doesn't make a farm, you know, me getting out and working and I can have my own garden. And uh, I think Joel Salatin is the one that says, what makes a farmer? Is, is it the actual farm? And it's no, it's you working the land or you working that animal. And anybody can do that. You don't have to have 200 or 2000 acres. You can have just your backyard, you know, and that's what we hope to inspire in people. When we open up our farm, um, you know, the things that we highlight as far as products are, you know, we, we have we have a variety of products, but the things that are highlighted are things that are grown or that are, you know, made by God. And we can't, we can't produce something as beautiful as a Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. And that's really what we want we want to highlight when we sell things. I don't know if that needs to be a part of the... To shy away from the artificial and to really lean into authenticity is what we're trying to do. Yeah, I'd say that's the key word is authenticity. So what's on the calendar for the rest of this year for people wanting to come make a trip? So we have our spring market on April 4th, like I had mentioned, and that'll be, um, I guess, two weekends before Easter, and that's going to be a celebration of just the spring season. Um, and then we have workshops that we post on our website, which is, um, www.redbirdfarmena.com. And we have, um, some really great things lined up with that. We have our Galentine's workshop, which is this weekend. And then, um, after that we have, um, some really fun ones. We have a sourdough workshop and we have, of course, our flower workshops, which are always a big hit, but we'll always keep that posted and up to date and, We'll have um, our fresh blackberries, which are on um, a trellis system, make them real easy to pick, and that'll be uh, 1st of June sometime. And they're thornless, so uh, bring out the kiddos and let them pick too. That's very fun. Uh, 4th of July, this summer, we'll do our peaches again, and have um, we have fresh watermelon and just some fun things that celebrate summer. <laughs> Great. And then in the fall, are you going to do the harvest celebration again? Oh, I hope so. That was so much fun having um, some vendors that we brought in from uh, all over the state, really. And we had a food truck out here that was an Airstream and just, oh, it was just so, it was so pretty. Yeah. (laughs) And we had a good time. So we really hope to do that again. How do we follow along and keep up with everything that you have going on here? Right. So we're on Facebook and Instagram and it's at Redbird Farm Enid. And you can always go to our website. That's where you'll probably get the most detailed information. And that's redbirdfarmenid.com. And there's a place on the website where you can sign up for our newsletter. And that's really, you're going to learn about things a little bit sooner than you would on Facebook. So if you want to get into one of those workshops, that's where you go. (laughs) Because I've heard they sell out. Yes, it's been great so far. Good. Okay. Well, guys, thanks for being on the podcast. This has been great. Thank you. Well, I love Kent and Becky's focus on authenticity and all of the great plans they have for the farm. The events they're hosting look incredible, so be sure to go get yourself on the email list and make plans to visit. Thanks to Kent and Becky for being on the podcast, and thanks to you for tuning in. I really am so honored that you tune in week in and week out. I love getting messages from you about how the podcast is impacting your life and your business and your town. 
If you could take a minute to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you listen on, that would be amazing and would mean so much to me. And don't forget that you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or Stitcher. We'll be back next week. Have a great day, everybody.